Our text is found in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, you're familiar with. No, we're not going to reread the whole chapter. Jim is getting ready to leave the building. But, but I do want to reread the text. Jesus spoke on several things in this, in this chapter. And I mentioned, if not preached, almost all of them. I did not emphasize two that I want to mention to you. One is the mustard seed. The mustard seed is the, it speaks of the news or planting and the growth of the church. Everyone laughed at the beginning of the church back in the book of Acts because it was so little. There were just a few followers of the Lord that stayed true. Of course, he had multitudes when the miracles were flowing, Selah. But when he got serious in John chapter 6, and he said, you don't have any part of me unless you eat me or take all of me, many left off following him, and his disciples stayed because they couldn't think of where else to go. Peter said, I don't know, to whom shall we go? Think about it. We get very excited, and you were very excited tonight, and that's fun, isn't it? You didn't have fun? You looked like you were having fun. Dancing and jigging and waving flags and shouting and stomping and all of that, and, and I remember when I could, and, and that was fun. But that was not necessarily a step up in God. That was an expression by a human of the presence of the Lord, and you were given that ability and right to make that expression by our music team, so you were right to do it. Had you done it in another setting, you may have been wrong to do the same thing. Are you okay? They introduced me as mother, hey. But the beginning of the church was small, and so people thought, well, it's not going to go anywhere. And the Lord just, he said, it's kind of like a little tiny mustard seed, and so is the gospel, and so is the kingdom, but it is going to spring up to be the largest of all. That's what the tree did. The other was the leaven, and it was a similar thing, a quiet, effective work of, of the yeast in the dough or the work of the Holy Spirit among God's people. Now, the second thing I told you I wanted to kind of straighten out a couple of things is what the question is, what is the difference or, or how does the church and the kingdom fit together and what's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom uh, of God? How do, those, how do those work? How do I separate those? How many wanted to know the answer to that? See, look at you. You're honest. There's always one mouth. He was called Peter. There's only one person that asked the question, but look at you. You all want to know. The church is the New Testament work, the Gentiles being grafted into the plant, and the church being birthed, and God said, or Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what did he mean by that? What he meant was, when everything God wanted 
became violated by the first Adam, he, he had to have another Adam, a perfect Adam. Jesus said, I've proved it for 33 years. I've been a sinless man. I am the seed of the Father. I now ha have come and I will die, be resurrected, and I will go back to the Father. And the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus represented the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is one with the kingdom of God because Jesus went back and left it to the sons of the kingdom. How many didn't get it? By the tape. And think it through. Now, how, how then does the church fit into that? Why do, we, why do we say the church is important? And, and, and by the way, I cannot overemphasize my personal belief that every one of you should be in a local church. You should. You need it. You need to be there. You need to submit to it. I don't care if you think you're more spiritual than your leader. Uh, you're not till you submit anyway, according to the good book. So everyone needs to be in a local church. If you're out there flying on your own, singing, I know I can fly, uh, we'll be there when you splat. <laughs> the, the local church is the body of Christ has been set up by God for the perfecting uh, or maturing of all the saints of God. Now, how does that fit into the kingdom? The local church is part of the kingdom. But it isn't the kingdom. I see. I, I know where your maturity is by your response, and that's okay. It isn't the only. It isn't just the kingdom. The local church prepares us to have a broader vision, well read, Isaiah 52. Spread. Lift up the tent stakes. That's what's happening today, girls and brave men. That's what's happening today is that our vision is being broadened to go beyond just my church, which you need to be a part of, but our vision is being broadened to go beyond that, not just to other churches in other nations, but to see the kingdom of heaven on earth. Everyone who meets Jesus Christ is a candidate for the kingdom. But many prefer to stay in the cove. I'll just preach. Because it's so safe. My church and I know them and I trust them and I know the elders and the, and da, 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 da. And the Lord is saying, pull up those tent spaces. Lift them up. All the things that are so familiar and comfortable to you. I, I think I hear the Lord say, I double dare you, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Pull up those stakes and let's stretch the church out to give room for the kingdom. Where he rules and where we stop fighting one another by denominational titles. Where we... Back in my daddy's church, we used to sing, I care not what church you belong to, just as long as for Calvary you stand. For if your heart is as my heart, you're my sister, you're my brother, so give me your hand. I think we knew more than we knew we knew. I don't think we understood it. 
but we sang the right doctrine. Do you understand? If a person is blood washed, they are a candidate for the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand because I'm here. And then when he left, he said, I leave you to be the seeds for the world. If you get this, you won't be afraid of the election. We live in a different kingdom. Yeah. Yes, we do. And Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the president of presidents. Get it. Get it. And the financier of finances. He is altogether I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, she sang. Church, we have to come back to that confidence or we're going to look just like the world. Oh, my, isn't it awful? I tell you, oh, they say no recession, but it sure looks like recession to me. What are you recessing to? Well, I've lost some money. Where'd you get what you lost? You're worth waiting for? Everything you have, sweetheart, is because he gave it to you. Your life, your health, your strength, your job, your abilities, your comprehension, everything comes from him. So the Lord giveth. Do you still say, blessed be the name of the Lord? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why can we say that? Because if he gave it once, he'll do it again. Over and over and over. He's looking for people in his kingdom. Now, the interesting thing about the kingdom of the Lord is that he doesn't simply say, I'm the king and you're the servants. He says, I'm the king and you're kings. One translation says a kingdom of priests. Another one says kings and priests. And that's what he's called us to be. So when we sang about the power of the blood, though if I hadn't seen the words, I wouldn't have recognized the song. But anyway, when we... I loved it. Truly, I did. When we sang about the power of the blood, I wonder if we really realized the power of the blood. The power of the blood, the efficacy of the blood. One songwriter said, the Holy Spirit, hour by hour, exerts a sanctifying power when you're under the blood. That's a wow. That's a powerful thing. You don't have to get saved every other day. You are saved. You are sanctified. You are set apart. And now it's time for you to learn to reign. Now, it'd be easy to learn to reign if I could rule over you instead of me. But Proverbs said, by the wisest man that ever lived, greater is he who ruleth his spirit than he that ruleth the city. Someone recently asked me, what do you consider your greatest accomplishment? That's quite a question. And my, and my answer was overcoming. 
honest. I consider that my greatest accomplishment in life because I've had some things, haven't you? Haven't you? Through your life, people have offended. Da, 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 da. All these things, in all these things, talk to me. We are what? We are not losers, church. And, and I, I told you about my illness because in prayer before the service, I felt the Lord wanted me to, to tell you that I have pain. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me why. I have a calling on in my life. I work for the Lord constantly or in co- what do I want to say? Cooperation with him. I work with the Lord. I'm a busy woman. I don't stop because I hurt. So, you know, I'm a good person. I deserve to feel good. And I don't understand. It doesn't fit my theology. It doesn't fit my doctrine. It's discouraging to everyone who's prayed for me. Until I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to go forward. We have many great healers come among us, and I'm almost embarrassed. Here she is again. There's Iverna. I can't help it. Until I don't have the pain, I can't go around saying I'm healed. I know the, the, the provision was made at Calvary. I claim that, and someday, maybe on this side, I'll quit hurting. In the meantime, if it's the enemy, you're free to cast it out. I'm just real willing. Call it whatever you want. I've done everything you can think of. And I'm telling you this because I think it's going to help somebody out there. I think there are some of you that have been beaten down, not only by your situation, but by people who say, if you had the faith, or if only you this and that and the other. And I'm seeing your heads go like this. And I'm here to tell you that we are not God. Yes, I have fasted. And then I really thought I earned it. And yes, I have threatened. And I, I don't hear anything. When I get ready to get a message, I hear from God. I hear from God for a prophetic word. I, I've heard from God about, wow, and I'll share that in a little while if you're still awake. And I, I hear from God quite often. But I don't hear anything from him about this pain. Oh, I hear from people. The fellowship of his sufferings. Oh, please. That's not the fellowship of his sufferings. If it is, I'm in fellowship. So there is therefore now, don't you pick it up. To them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. Don't you pick that condemnation up. You get healed. You get delivered. You get your job. You get your man are you crazy enough to pray for that? But anyway, whatever. Whatever the desires of your heart are, they're yours if you seek first. Oh, now you're beginning to put the pieces together, aren't you? Jesus didn't say, seek me first. He said, seek you first the kingdom 
of God, and all these other things will be added. Now, how can that be then with my testimony that I just gave you? Because the kingdom of God is a place where he is totally in control. And if I really want him to be in total control of my life, and I say, I submit to your kingship, I have the level of authority he allots to us as kings and priests, and whatever happens to me, I can say, hallelujah, because he is the king. Church in the back, do you get it? I mean, I'm getting all the head nods down here. You, thank you. See, I, when you know that you have sought the king, dumb, you know that Jesus rules over everything in your life, and then you rule accordingly. So people say, well, what you should do is, what I should do is whatever the king tells me to do. Now, when the kingdom is, is the reality, and we've pulled the tent stakes up and spread the tent out, the church is under divine authority. Then the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are God-appointed. When they're God-appointed, the people within that structure have no problem with submitting. When they're man-appointed, there's all kinds of rebellion in the name of I don't have to. I'm free. You're free to be in bondage to the king of kings. You're free to be all that he destines you to be. Now, all of that, and, and I know that some of you are saying, I haven't a clue. One lady said to me, I heard you when, you fir when I first got saved, and, and I came to one of, no, no, she hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. And she said, I came to one of the conferences, and you were the speaker. She said, I enjoyed you. I didn't have a clue what you said. But she got the tape, and she listened, and the Holy Spirit opened it up. But I know that you that had an ear to hear needed to hear those things tonight because you're going to be challenged very quickly. You are going to be challenged very quickly. Well, what, uh, where's my loyalty, and what should I be asking for, and, and, and so on. And all we need to know is Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... That's, that's the whole key. I want to be what he wants me to be. Do you? Holy? Jesus said, you're holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy, saith God. Be ye holy. Well, how can I just be holy? Step into the kingdom. It's easy. You are Lord. You are Lord. See, when he really is, I mean, it's, it's, it's not just a casual. Yes, you'll go to heaven if you know him as Savior. Yes, you will. There's no place else for you to go. Hell won't have you. So you can get that out of the way. You know, you're not trying to get to heaven. You, you will ultimately fly away, whatever. 
But you will not be a part of the rulership of the kingdom of God on earth until you grow up and pull up the tent stakes and stretch out the tent. That's it. And, and you have to, you know, you have to be big people. You can't whine and cry every other day. You can't, Lord, show me why. Can you show me a scripture where he has to show you why anything? I am the Lord. I change not. He doesn't have to tell us why. He just tells us one step at a time. That's called divine direction. I hate it. I prefer a map. If you just show me the destination and where I am and how I get from here to there, that would be easier. Even if I didn't like it, it would be easier. But there'd be no faith growth. Hello. Now, if you get this at all, your whole, what we call witnessing, will change. Because instead of trying to threaten people who are unbelievers, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're doomed for hell. Instead of that, you will say, do you know that Jesus died to save you and you are in his plan already saved? And then we'd say, let me tell you about this kingdom life. It's more abundant. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, to an unbeliever, that's what they're looking for. Don't you understand? Read the paper. That's what everyone's looking for, to feel good about themselves, righteousness, and, and to feel rightly related to everyone, and peace. Everybody wants peace and joy. Are you kidding me? They'll go anywhere to have joy. By the 50,000, they'll go to a rock concert just to try to feel a little joy. And here we have the keys to the kingdom. And instead of sharing the kingdom as the sons of the kingdom and being out there and sharing this with people, we're threatening them. Okay, you don't like it. It's truth anyway. When Jesus taught these things, he turned to those who were following him and said, Have you understood all these things taken together? I'm asking. Have you understood all these things taken together? All these parables, everything that they mean. Can you see that we are his beloved? It was a beautiful song tonight talking about his anticipation for his bride. But my friends, he's looking for those to establish the kingdom here or to accept the kingdom of God that's already been paid for. Right now, sow the seeds. He says, you are the seed. I put the gospel in you. Go ye into all the world. Every place you go, every person you meet, listen, has had a divine encounter with God, whether you or they recognize it or not. Because Christ, where is he? Christ liveth. 
in me. Do you really believe that? You don't. Do you really? Then you'll never encounter any situation impossible to you. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. There's no situation that you encounter that he isn't big enough to take care of. He does not always do it in our way or our time, but we always influence. I said to, is, is Marion, is that your name? I said to Marion today, I love your singing, I love your being up there, but the best thing about you to me is your infectious smile. She has the most wonderful smile. It says to me she's a kingdom person. There's something inside of her that when she smiles, I smile. I, you can't not. You just, it's just, and it's, it's a warming thing. So you don't have to be a mouthpiece, so to speak. You don't have to talk all the time. It'd be better for some if you didn't. But you have no idea of the power of God that is resident within you with whatever you do. I could... I didn't say a word, but I spoke to her, didn't I? Because the spirit within her witnessed to the spirit within me, and there was an instant union, and we don't know each other. Now understand me, when you minister the same way to an unbeliever, there is an immediate conflict of spirit. Don't be foolish enough to have a problem with the person. It's not the person. It's spirit. And when the spirit in you conflicts with the spirit in another, that is God's signal to you. That is a, a yellow light that says, hold it. I have a job for you. Either speak to them, touch them, love them, or intercede on behalf of them. Because he never lets there be a conflicting spirit without a divine purpose. That's kingdom life. Church life says, would you come to my church? But kingdom life says, wherever I touch them, they will recognize something. And you can expect to make a difference whether it's in your home, in your business, in, in just the postman, it, it doesn't make any difference. Every person that you encounter in a day has had a divine encounter with God. Let them know it. I've had people say, and so have you. I know you have. There's just something about you. I just, I don't know. I just, I just like being around you. They don't know me. Hello. Don't take that. Oh, wow, yeah, I'm great. <laughs> Let them know what they're recognizing. The peace of God rules your heart and mind and ministers to everyone that you influence. We're the seeds that are sent out to kingdom. We're the sons of the kingdom. If we don't recognize it, no one else will. 
So Jesus always demands a response to revelation. Have you understood these things? And he never berates or belittles anyone who's honest enough to say no. Read the book. His own disciples would listen to him preach, and then when they got alone, they'd say, what do you mean? <laughs> you see him berating them in any way? Not really. He just said, oh, I thought you were ahead. I thought you were farther along. Well, here's what it means. And that's what he'll do with each one of us, unless we lie. Have you understood all these things taken together? Oh, yeah, you bet. Lord, I don't, no matter who leaves you, I will never leave you. I will follow you to your death. Yeah, Peter. <laughs> you think Peter meant it? Of course he did. What was his problem? He hadn't listened to what Jesus had revealed. Many will leave off. Many won't be there. You'll all scatter. Instead of falling on his face and saying, Oh, Lord, keep me from it. See, you can sit here and say, Oh, I've got it. I've got it in my head. And I don't know. No matter what happens, I'll handle it. Blessed be God. You won't. If your attitude is, I can, and you don't add through Christ, I can do all things. There are so many, quote, Christians, and I, I shouldn't quote it because they are Christians, but they're self-serving Christians. I can do this. I don't, need, I don't need your input. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a mentor. I don't need God. It's almost like when they meet the Lord, they say, okay, I'll take it from here. And the Lord just lets them fall. Well, how come he didn't keep him from falling? How come when Peter walked on the water, the Lord didn't keep him from going under? Because he never would have learned the difference between faith and presumption. It's not the little red engine. That's not what faith is. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Faith is a gift, a seed that comes from God, from the Holy Spirit, and you know what you can do. You know you can do all things through Christ. But if you're not honest enough, and I'm not honest enough to humbly come before him and say, I, don't, I can't do this without you. Lord, I need your help. I, I don't have understanding. I don't have comprehension. I don't, I don't get it. And I want to see it. I want to pull the tent stakes up. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to know you in a new depth. If we can't be honest enough to respond to altar calls, I've responded to some of my own. If we can't be honest enough to respond to altar calls because we're afraid of what somebody might think, we're a long ways from receiving what we do desire. You there? 
It's a season of new beginnings, and the new beginning is for your understanding to open and for you to learn to think with God. You would like the word better if I use meditate. We love spiritual words, but the truth is we just need to learn to think with God. And that's why I make such an emphasis on the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. Think with God. I read the Bible through every year from a different translation. But sometimes I just get stuck in the process because I'll just get there and the Holy Spirit will stop me and, and we think together. God will give me a thought and then I have one of my own and I give it back to him and he okays it and we go on. That's meditating on the word. That's thinking with God. Do you understand that? And if you don't learn to do this, you will fall with all the stuff that is out there. All right. There is a shift. Everybody's talking about this paradigm and this shift, and there's a book now, and it's an excellent one, by the way, Church Shift. Everything is changing. That is such good news and so horrendous. I mean, the thing that's horrendous about it is that in order to survive, we have to change. Because, see, when the Lord, when, when the, we heard the shofar, I never heard it blown better in my life. Ever. Ever. That, that's the way I think it should always be. Instead of, uh, but anyway, when, when, when the cloud moved, you remember the story, Old Testament? Yes or no? Yes. When the cloud moved, the people packed up and went with the cloud. Now, if there were people that didn't pack up, do you think the cloud waited? Oh, no. When God gets ready to move, he will move with? I promise. See, the people were praying for revival. We want revival. We want to hear from God. We want to hear from God. Oh, we need a word from God, Moses. Moses intercedes, God. The people need a word from you. They need to see you. They need to know you. They need to hear you. God says, okay, get them ready. Gives them all the things they're to do to get ready. I'm going to, I'm going to show up. When God showed up, the only one ready for revival was Moses. And the people said, I'll tell you what, let's stick with the church. We understand you, Pastor Moses. You do the talking. I can't, I can't dig this other stuff. I can't, I can't go. I can't enlarge my tent that much. I'm, I'm, I'm just little. I don't want to grow that quickly. I, you know, when he came, I didn't expect it to be like that. That was, you know, wow, I mean, fire and smoke and stuff. Let's go back to church and you tell us about it. Some things don't change. There's still people there. But God still moves with power and might and demonstration. 
And I don't want anything that any of us have said to make you afraid of the move of God. All I'm praying for is that the move of God will be steered by the word of God. I don't know how that'll happen. It's not up to me to figure it out. I'm not in charge of it. One of the things in my life I'm not in charge of. But I do pray that God will steer this move of God by his word. That's all. Don't be afraid. Don't even be afraid of it. Don't be afraid to take because you're smarter. I mean, you've got enough of God in you, the Holy Spirit, resident within you to say reject. Learn to trust the voice of the Holy Spirit in you as much as you trust it in me. Why is it that we're more trusting of the Holy Ghost in someone else than we are in ourselves? He's the same person. Have you ever just been in a situation where everyone else was nodding their head yes and there was a reject up inside you? What do we do with that? We beat ourselves. We beat ourselves up. Say, oh, something wrong with me. Everybody else seemed to be getting it, be getting blessed. I, I don't know. There was just, it, it wasn't for me. And we just feel so guilty. Instead of saying, thank you, Holy Spirit, I thank you for that reject that rose up within me. I trust you because I'm in your kingdom, and you rule and you reign over me. It doesn't mean you have to do anything with it except thank the Lord for what your insight is. In fact, it'd be better if you just thank the Lord for that insight. So he says, do you understand all these things taken together? He expects a response. Now, I haven't been in women's groups since I left WOW because the Lord told me that I was to do some of the other things in work and leadership. And I had forgotten how responsive women are. My Lord, you just spoil speakers. We say, go and you go. We say, amen, amen. All you need is a chance. It's a wonderful thing. I've forgotten how quickly women respond when men aren't there. <laughs> but in leadership groups and speaking to pastors, it is not that exciting. And that's why we say, are you getting this? Hello? How many understand? Are you with me? Because we are looking just as Jesus did. He wants your response. And he wants it to be a responding to understanding, not emotion. Do you understand how difficult it is for leadership to take offerings? Every leader hates it. Me first. We think of things, how can we be clever? How can we, is there another story about giving? Can I do an acrostic with G-I-V? We do everything we can to pump you, to give. Everything, except show pictures of our bank account. Or emaciated people that need your money. You know what's wrong with that? The only reason that has to be done is because you aren't mature enough to know when to give and how much. 
Hey, the offering's already been taken, so you can say amen. <laughs> How do you know that, Ivern? I'll tell you. Because God never sets up a meeting that he doesn't support. He never sets up a home he doesn't take care of. He never sets up a family that he doesn't plan. Every one of them to know him. Thou shalt be saved and thy house. Claim it. This covenant I make with you, he said, will be to a thousand generations. If you obey me, I will bless you. Fast forward ahead from Moses, from Matthew, to a little ugly man who was brilliant. Historians describe him as four foot eleven, bald head, eyes drippy, not able to see well, spread far apart, long beaky nose, and he was bow legged, cute. But he was brilliant, and so he went to the finest schools and studied the law under Gamaliel. Oh, he knew his stuff. And he set out on a path, listen now, because I'll help someone, to defend God's law. And nobody did it better than Paul. Of course, he was Saul then. Everywhere he saw Christians meeting, he went in and persecuted because it was anti what he thought was what God was going to do. To look at him, we would say, oh, <laughs> that guy will never change. I mean, he, he is esteemed in his circles. High up. <laughs> That'll never change him. And the Christians would shake when he came into town. One day he saw and heard. He saw a light. And he was blinded to everything natural. Remember? I mean, do you remember when it happened to you? When you began to see things so different? That's what I'm trying to do with you tonight, to stretch you a little bit. All of a sudden, everything God does is all of a sudden, even if it takes 400 years to happen. All of a sudden, he heard a voice, and it was a question. Why do you persecute me? And this this guy with all his good intentions said, I don't even know who you are. He said, I am Jesus. When you touch my kids, you're persecuting me. When you're in the kingdom, that's the protection you have. Do I need to repeat that? When you are in the kingdom, you're under divine protection. And I could go so far as to say, woe unto those who put their finger on you and try to undo you. Woe unto them, because greater is he. 
He got up and he was blind for three days, and you know the story. The Lord healed him, and he was, just like the song said, he picked me up and he turned me around and he put my feet on solid ground. That's what he did with Saul. Now, fast forward. Saul goes through non-acceptance persecution. Read the book of Acts. The preachers don't like him. Certainly the, the ones that he'd been to the Sanhedrin just absolutely dismissed him. From their calendar, he doesn't fit there. The Greeks don't want him. This is a whole foreign thing. He has no one. You will have those moments in your life. They are not seasons. They're moments. Don't treat a moment like a season. It's just a moment. And he went back to Cilicia and he was there. I don't know how he communed with the Lord, but he did. In order to become new, he had to put down everything his life represented. Everything he had studied. And he dared to say, I count that as dung. All those years, all that education, all that acceptance, all that seniority, all that popularity, you count that as dung? He said, yeah, if you compare it to what I have. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I. It's not me that lives. I'm not making big commitments that I can't keep. It's Christ living in me. If that's true of you, you ought to know your seed. And he's sowing you. He is sowing you. He has sowed you in that home. You're not married to the wrong man. You didn't by mistake have those kids. You're not working for the wrong employer. You're not out of God's will just because you're hurting in some way. Physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. You're not out of God's will. He's perfecting something in you. He is taking your self-sufficiency away from you taking away from ear to ear all the knowledge you think you have, and he is imparting his own spirit within you who will be the spirit of counsel and wise understanding and the knowledge of the Lord. Until you allow that, you can't be sown. You can be saved, but not sown. I know you did, and I know a few others who did, and some of you are preachers, and I'm glad you got it. Because I know you who got it will share it. It's just time for us to spread out. And when this happens, my friends, the revival that we really want is going to sweep not just this nation, not just this nation. Don't you understand? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Every nation, 
and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and mighty are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made known. The word of the Lord. So in this great shakeup, in this great moment of time, I believe that the WOW organization is a part of the shake. I really do. I think that the whole face of this thing is going to change. And here's what I want to say to you, and, and if, you know, I submit this to the powers that be and they can undo the whole thing because I am not involved with WOW at this time. And I won't be in the future except maybe as a guest speaker once in a while just to beat you up. But <laughs> I believe, Betsy, that it's not by chance that you are where you are right now. What's going to happen is you're going to begin to spot younger women leaders. And you're going to bring them in as leaders. And I'm going to say to you that I want you who are 35 up to never come to a conference unless you also pay the way of someone young. I really, I really think it's time for that. We've got to reach our younger generation. You and I know enough. It's time now to get this younger generation. You not only pay their way, but you bring them alongside you. And you sit and intercede. I'll tell you the truth, this thing will explode if you can understand it's time for change. And no, the preaching won't be the same caliber if you want to say that it'll be get saved filled with the holy ghost get right with god get right with your husband get right with your kids live the life that's exactly what paul preached he said now that all things are passed away all things are become new and then he went on and he gave all the list of do's and don'ts read ephesians 4 and 5 and on in his letters he said don't don't be angry and, and take that out on someone else and don't, and don't, and don't. He says, it's a new life. Don't you get it? He says, it's a new life. If you're still hanging on to things of the past, habits you've had all your life, you're just locked in. That's it. You're just locked into this little world. How many want to be free? How many of you want to come into the kingdom of God and his righteousness? How many of you want to begin to become the seed that the Lord sows? Well, go after the younger generation. Get them into your church and get them into your sphere of influence. Uh, have a coffee house, whatever. Whatever God puts on your heart. It's time for a change in the church. And it's time for a change in the kingdom. It's been a few people who knew about the kingdom who tried to preach it and got thrown out of churches. But I want you to know it's here to stay. It was there when Jesus came. It isn't going to go away. And we are going to realize it. If not in this generation, then in the next. I would love to see it. I would. I'd love to see it in this generation. I'd like to see us reach the generation's Two of them under us. I'd like to see them, as we say in my circles, on fire for God. 
I like to see them turned on. I like to see them come like the guitar player and, and bring all that kind of talent into the house of God and into the kingdom. I'd like to see them uh, moving in, in ways that, they're, that are common and known to them. I'd like to, see, I'd like to see what I told you is in my church. I'd like to see people who once lived in sin, once lived in the world, and they're even marked by it, come into the house of God and stand and say, once I was blind, but now I can see all things have passed away and all things are new but it won't happen until you break your own prejudice and pull up those tent pegs and stretch out the tent and let the kingdom of God be in you the kingdom is within you righteous speak righteousness In the Holy Ghost. No wonder in many of these meetings, laughter breaks out. Because when it's the Holy Ghost laughter, it's a healing laughter. I've seen people delivered by laughing. I'm serious. I mean, totally delivered from habits. I've seen people set free from depression. And it lasted. It wasn't just a, let's all now, we'll all do this. It was the Holy Spirit moving. I've seen people free, set free by shouting. I was in a service one time where uh, Steve mm, Fry, Steve Fry was leading the worship, and he said, let's shout unto God. You know, we always say that. Lots of times we say that. All of a sudden, that entire church, the whole balcony, let out a shout like the shofar, and it was just one shout to God. You know what? It lasted 10 minutes. One would take a breath, another would pick it up, another, another. People were being slain in the spirit. People were being healed. It was miraculous. Now, you can't order that. I could say shout, you'd shout. I could say laugh and get you laughing. But when the Holy Spirit finds the sons of the kingdom, and that he turns the dial and says, this is tuning in to laughter. This one's tuning in to conviction. Hello. This one's tuning in to slaying the spirit without pushing them down. When it's the Holy Spirit, sweet baby, it's real. And when it's real, it's an eternal life change. We're in for change.